0: What is the thing that we can all do to really support the growth and development of this child and raise their own belief in what's possible? The educational landscape has shifted. The social mobility is very segregated. Therefore, politically, the same thing is happening. The decisions you make around that child's education are of paramount importance. What can we do that would make educators' lives better? How do we make change that you can see in the classroom?
1: They don't have summers off, they're not on a break. Most of the time that kids are not in school, teachers are still working.
0: To impact our urban public schools, to impact the life of a child, we really wanted to elevate the profile of our city as well as elevate the opportunities that exist in education here.
1: I'm Jen Maestas and you're listening to Miss Education. Well, hey, guys, it's Jan Maestas, and you're listening to Miss Education, and today I have a really cool guy on. Uh, his name is Mike Villarreal. He's from here in San Antonio. Uh, if you are from San Antonio, you have definitely heard his name before. He's got lots of experience in the city, at the city level, and at the higher education level, so I'm going to give him an opportunity to just kind of tell his story, introduce himself. Um, how are you doing today, Mike?
0: I'm doing great. Yay, Glad to be here. Thanks for
1: coming today. Seriously, oh, this, is a, like, this is a treat. Thank you so much. I'm excited.
0: Uh, you've asked me to tell my story. I, I, I am a recovering politician, so <laughs> I may blow your whole schedule.
1: No, do it. Let's uh,
0: go. <laughs> no, I, I will keep it brief. So I was born and raised here in San Antonio, and graduated from Central Catholic. Uh, went through Catholics education my whole life until leaving for college uh, to Texas A&M in College Station, where I earned a bachelor's in economics, took a year off to work for the Federal Reserve Board of Governors, working under Alan Greenspan with a group of economists, studying our banking system, and then went to Harvard to earn a master's degree in public policy.
1: Geez, that's not impressive at all, Mike. I don't know. Maybe we can start. Okay.
0: Um, it was a great experience, and and the whole time I, you know, was just pinching myself, couldn't believe I had this opportunity and, yeah. and these experiences of studying with some really uh, incredible thought leaders in economics and public policy, and and networking with folks who would go on to do great things. And uh, eventually, though, I I came back to San Antonio in 1997. And one of the reasons why I came back, I was prior to this time working in San Francisco and uh, working in the field of public finance. But one of the reasons why I came back home was because I felt like even though I could enjoy great meals in San Francisco in the Bay Area, I way too often ate alone Aww. and really missed my community mm-hmm. and my hometown. And so I made my way back and it was a, a great um, decision to, to, to come back home because uh, within less than two years I met my future wife and that absolutely was the best decision (laughs) I have ever made in my entire life and so um I got to 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 meet Jean Russell through some friends Uh, we actually met at Bar America nice (laughs) and
1: you guys know Jean Russell I love your wife it took all of about I don't know 15 seconds into the conversation where I was like oh She's my people. Aww. We are. We are a tribe. You will be my friend. She, that was all happening in my head, and I it? silently nodded and said, "Because mm-hmm, 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 I'm awkward that way." Aww. But in my mind, I was like, "You're my people. I like you."
0: She's she's awesome. She and is. and so we, we met in 1997, 98, sort of the towards the turn of the year, and got married in 2000. Uh, I ran for the state representative seat of, at that time, it was House District 115, and then it changed numbers during redistricting and is today known as 123. It's the the seat that Diego currently Mm -hmm. holds. And so I ran for that seat in 1999 and won by one vote.
1: Wow,
0: yes, I, I I say I won by one vote. the the whole story is that <laughs> it was a special election. Mm-hmm. Uh, there were a number of candidates running. I was clearly an underdog. Uh, but on election day, when they had counted all the votes that had come in at that time, I was ahead by one vote nice and and so it was my photo that got right on the front page <laughs> of the newspaper. And this was uh, essentially pre-Facebook right. and Imagine before that. campaigns Imagine had we- real websites. I right. know, I know. A-
1: and it wasn't that long ago. It wasn't that long I ago. Know, we're young.
0: Uh, I, I like to think so. <laughs> um, but yeah, getting your, your, your mug on the front page of the newspaper a was a deal. really big deal. And, yeah. and so it sort of validated um, my candidacy. And got people to think, if, if they hadn't voted for me, to really take a second look. And we ended up winning the, the runoff sixty forty, 40 And uh, I served for 15 years in the state That's legislature. Uh, working on education policy uh, and tax policy because the two go hand in hand. Mm-hmm. You cannot do school finance without reforming our state tax system. And, and so this session, we are currently going through a school finance session, and I am very encouraged by the House bill mm-hmm. and how it is investing more money in our school system and targeting early education. But I have to say, uh, I don't think we're out of the woods, and I'm, right. and I'm still very kind of skeptical yeah. because I also want to know what kind of changes will ultimately be made to our tax system Mm -hmm. uh, particularly our property tax system which is the workhorse for funding our schools right it will not be a good outcome for our community if the legislature increases funding for the next two years Mm -hmm. using rainy day funds at the expense of a handicapped uh, property tax system that ends up unable to provide for our schools in the long term right you know we we really need to be mindful of a, a bait and switch it's look at this great time. deal it's a sc- Come, it's scary here, here I mean- here's this all this new money go ahead and take it and, oh, by the way, we're going to re- reduce your long-term revenue generation capacity. It's that is not a good trade.
1: a place to be. So what do you do? I mean, you don't what accept do you, that deal. What do you do, right? I mean, you do not
0: accept that deal.
1: It's a mess. It's a mess. It's been a mess for a long time. Um, it's important that people vote clearly, as you mm-hmm. just demonstrated, And also it's just important that everybody is listening and hearing and paying attention and understanding. And I think that's why we need an opportunity to come together and sit down and say, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. What looks good on the surface maybe isn't always as good as it seems. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's a good step in the right direction, but the gap's not completely closed. So what do we need to do to keep the work going? This can't be a long-term solution, although in in the short term, this is a really good thing. We need we need um, we need to be talking about school finance. It needs to be on the forefront of every education conversation because it is ultimately going to have impact every single day that kids are in school.
0: It is how we are going to attract the most talented people into our profession at all levels, from um, staff. Right. who do administrative frontline work to teachers who are the most important element in an education system, to principals, to superintendents, to everybody in, mm-hmm. in the system that need to be well-prepared and giving it them their all and able to sustain their families mm-hmm. as they're giving it their all for yeah, our children.
1: Exactly. Um, so I think we're both... Involved in creating a network of people where those conversations can happen Um, you know, I Hope that people listening To the podcast are not just educators, but especially educators, right? But not just them the people Mm -hmm. who have their kids in our school system should listen to because they are They are just as responsible for the climate that we're creating in our education landscape as teachers and administrators and everybody else Everyone needs to all the business Community needs to be involved in the conversation. Um, anybody who has any hope of hiring local talent needs to be involved in the con- the education conversation. Um, and so, I hope that that there's more than just educators listening to the podcast. That it's it's everybody listening, right? And everybody having the conversations. I also think that. The work we're doing with Salt San Antonio leaders and teachers is a great way for teachers to come and have some face time with people who are like-minded and to share the same or at least have seen the same challenges and can offer some solutions. Um, so that's kind of where I see myself fitting in to creating opportunities for conversation. But you're in a really unique position too because you're in... Um, you're at UTSA, so tell us a little bit about sure. your work at, at.
0: So, so after serving uh, for 15 years in the legislature, uh, I decided to run for mayor because our mayor was leaving to Washington, D.C., and that was quite an education. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I had <clears throat> never run in in a campaign that was citywide and and that that. Required me to cover so much territory, but also unfortunately touch so few voters because in our city election only about eleven percent of registered voters actually participate.
1: That blows my mind. And
0: and so it was it was um, an interesting experience. I did not win uh, that election, but I left uh, learning a lot about sure. the city. A lot of good things about our city. Um, learning a lot about my own uh, preferences of how I want to spend my time. <laughs> how I don't want to spend my time. Um, and and so it was it was it was a great learning experience. Uh, ultimately, I uh, completed a journey that I had started a few years earlier. And that was completing my Ph.D. in public policy, uh, which I had started in 2012. And and so I, I took a break from that, ran for mayor. That didn't work out. Was able to throw myself into my dissertation, finish that. cross-stage in 2018 and get hired by UTSA in 2018 to create the Urban Education Institute within the College of Education and Human Development. And this is a real wonderful opportunity that every day I'm grateful for because it gives me a chance to work at the intersection of public policy, education, and community development. Right. Because I'm, I get to work with educators, principals, philanthropists who want to be investing in what works for our kids, right. having conversations with policymakers who want to go to Austin and carry good education legislation that reflects our values and will make a difference for our right. kids. Uh, so it's a, it's a wonderful space to be in. It's also a very creative space. Because I, I don't have any real constraints. Right. Uh, I have sort of my key metrics that I'm mindful of, like uh, publishing, raising research dollars, involving students at all levels from high school to graduate school in my research, mm-hmm. uh, uh, involving Faculty of many different disciplines, and so these 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 are metrics I have to keep an eye on. But I'm allowed a whole lot of leeway to create initiatives that that allow me to hit these objectives, and so um, that can be a scary thing because it's <laughs> an unstructured problem. Uh, but it is mostly uh, I find a really a joyful experience uh, to be creative, and and to use my time to to. Make something that I think is just all good.
1: Yeah. So you...
0: Which couldn't, couldn't, I couldn't always say about right? my time in the legislature. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I don't know what you mean. <laughs>
0: uh, I mean, we certainly <laughs> were trying to do good, but the, it's kind of a sausage-making process. <laughs> you know, yeah. you don't really yeah. want to watch what goes into uh, it.
1: No, don't tell me. You said, like, 12 things, that I'm like, yes, that's so exciting. And... I want to know more about that. So okay. these were like the big the big words I heard. Okay, finance. So you're a money guy, right? You understand the finance. You understand the connection finance has to the levers we're trying to move. Um, thought leaders. You're immersed in a whole bunch of thought leaders, both economic thought leaders, education thought leaders, visionaries for the city, visionaries for UTSA, the University of Texas at San Antonio. I don't know if we said that earlier, but just in case – when we say UTSA, that's what we're talking about. Um, and UTSA and philanthropy. And I feel like all of those things, they're sort of converging on education right now. You have people talking about the finance of education. You have people who are major decision makers and thought leaders in our city focused in on education because you're starting to see this trend in San Antonio of really reform-based ideas happening mm-hmm. and initiatives mm-hmm. happening and th- yeah. people trying new things and then you've got a lot of philanthropy that's ha- being given in San Antonio that's education driven so mm-hmm. you have these dollars coming in um and then you have un- the University of Texas at San Antonio which is a key player in the higher education ecosystem of our city um and so all of those things are converging around education and I know that that that's not necessarily new, but I feel like there's a new momentum around mm-hmm. what's happening.
0: There is. There right? is. There's, there's all these new players. The pace of change uh, is increasing, which, which is just the reality of our world in all types of spaces. And so education isn't outside of you know, these changes, technological changes that are happening in the rest of the world. And so, you know, what do we do? How do we make sense of it? I think UTSA and the Urban Education Institute, which was created, really, uh, uh, the, the person who had the vision for this was our new president, um, Taylor Amy, and the dean of the College of Education, Margot Della Carpini. Together, they had this idea of wanting to have a nimble, entrepreneurial Group that could be responsive to the needs of our education ecosystem and better connect UTSA to the community, so we could truly become the urban-serving higher ed institution that I think we always were intended to be. Mm-hmm. And and I think the way we play that out, and the way we the way, the vision I have for us playing that out is being a partner with these different groups, right. Uh, the new I, that,
1: players in San Antonio, and
0: with all with and many of these new players, and and helping inform how money is being invested, because mm-hmm. I think we all want to make an impact with our time, talent, and treasure. Life is too short. Let's focus where we can make the biggest difference. And and at, at the Urban Education Institute, what at the core of what we do is research through evaluation. We wanna study what works for our kids. Under what circumstances do these interventions work best? Mm -hmm. What subgroups of students really does this intervention match best to? And so we wanna understand what works for different students, and in different circumstances, so that folks who are investing their time, talent, and treasure can know how to direct themselves. I love and we that. can take those ideas and test them out in one area, but then make sure that they spread. Mm-hmm. And we take those seeds and those ideas and we, 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 we make sure they, they hit fertile ground throughout our entire community. I think that's the, that is one of the strategic positions for UTSA to play out and to play that out through the Urban Education Institute.
1: Yeah, and I, it kind of touches on an idea um, that I actually heard at South by Southwest this year, and that, that idea was that push-in ideas, they don't always work. Sometimes you experience success, but they don't always work. And so I love that UTSA is San Antonio, you know, and I feel I'm clearly biased, I will say that. I'm a twice graduate of UTSA, go runners. Uh, I, I absolutely wholeheartedly loved both experiences that I had at UTSA. When I got to the university in 1990, oh gosh, 95, it was still very much a uh, suburban commuter college. And I think the total enrollment was less than 30,000 students at the time. Um, There was one, one on-campus living arrangement. It was Chisholm Hall when I got there. And then maybe my second year there was University Oaks and that was it. Those were your only two options for living on campus. Everybody else was commuting to the school. Um, and it was on the outskirts really of san antonio it's at 1604 and i-10 um which is right i mean it's pretty far north from downtown and there was nothing there and i know that there was nothing there because my family had just recently moved to pretty near maybe like a five to seven minute commute from utsa it was trees and coyotes and Fiesta, Texas.
0: Mm-hmm. Yep, I remember that.
1: Fiesta, Texas had just come into being, which is an amusement park on the far north side of San Antonio. And it was that, that was it. There was nothing else there. Um, but through those four years, I happened to be there at the right time because then they opened the the UTSA downtown campus before I graduated. Brand new building right in the heart of downtown. Beautiful, by the way. Just a gorgeous building in downtown San Antonio. And I was working for the university. I was actually an orientation leader. And I got that job as soon as I got there. I, w- I went to orientation and I was like, dude, this is so much fun. Where can I sign up? How do I get involved with, with being an orientation leader? And so I started working for the new student programs office.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, best boss I ever had, by the way, Chris Timmerman. I oh, love you. Nice. Yeah, love
0: you so did, did you do student orientation at the downtown campus? Both. Or both? Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah, because
1: yeah. they didn't have their own office at the time. Mm-hmm. So we, I helped with that. Gotcha. Um, so I just loved it. I loved it.
0: And, you know, location matters. And, and having this downtown campus creates a, a gateway for the residents who live south of downtown. It's a game Or on the west side, yes. on the east side, because it, it's visible, you can pass by it it's, it's right there it's everybody knows it's at the heart of San Antonio there. and and people can start thinking cuz they can see a college which a. is
1: so important it is it is yeah. you have to see it if you don't know what you don't know uh, and so when it's there and you're seeing it and you're passing by it every day it's right on everyone's commute it's you can't miss it where the other one was pretty far out I mean, the main still campus is, far is still out. far
0: out. You know? Now our population is <laughs> is chasing it. <laughs> oh, my God. There's so
1: many things there now. There's a huge shopping it, mall. There's... That's right. And I, my son plays baseball, and he attended a baseball camp on the, the main campus, which I hadn't honestly driven through in years. Years. It is its own city it's massive it's
0: grown a lot it it? has
1: oh my gosh i don't even recognize it i mean there are way more than the four buildings that were there when i was there um there's way more housing which is what blew blew my mind the most i was like where did all this housing i didn't even know we had all this space like it was literally trees
0: and we still have more space and and there will continue to be Construction on UTSA,
1: yeah, and downtown main campus too.
0: and, downtown, and downtown, so that's really exciting. You know the the other um, you asked, you know how how the the role that UTSA can play, um, the other important role that we can play, and and that the Urban Education Institute, which I'm the director of, um, can play out is helping UTSA expand its impact in graduating the next generation of education leaders, leader education leaders who are in the classroom as our teachers mm-hmm. and those who are principals and administrators at all levels, including leading school districts at the superintendency level. UTSA graduates the most number of these folks yeah. for our education ecosystem. And, and, and so our role is to help support The president and the dean in creating a feedback loop so that we can become more uh, effective at following our graduates Mm -hmm. to four eight ten years into their careers to see how they are doing what kind of difference they are making and take those lessons learned to inform our practice of graduating students with these higher ed degrees.
1: Totally. I So I graduated from the main campus uh, in, to, in 1999. I graduated from the downtown campus in 2009 with a master's degree in educational leadership. And both of those experiences, both the main campus and the downtown campus, I felt like were exactly what I needed. And I felt extremely well prepared to do the work that I was doing. Um, and so I, I just cannot say it enough how much I esteem the University of Texas in San Antonio and the work that it does in the education landscape. I think that they know that you get San Antonio. You are San Antonio. You just get it. And there's something about that feeling of like, hey, I get it. Like, I'm here. I'm in your neighborhoods. I see it. Uh, we're placing teachers in neighborhood schools. I understand. I just... Get it there's something really valuable about that and it resonates with me so much because I always felt like I knew exactly who I could turn around to and say like hey now that I am doing this work where should I go who's who are the best thought partners to tackle um, culturally relevant instruction who are the best thought partners that I can turn to to talk about diversity um, to talk about classroom management to talk through like i always knew that there were people that i could turn around and say like okay hey here's what's really happening in my classroom what do you think about that Mm -hmm. where can i go for that
0: yeah 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 no i Uh, I think it's a great opportunity we we do have this large and ever-growing network of alumni who are becoming teachers and are running our schools uh, to be able to keep them engaged By providing them ongoing professional development and professional resources and high quality research that's relevant to their job.
1: That's the feedback loop is it's providing that relevancy, right? Like you're not leaving, you're not coming from somewhere else, you're right here. So we need to extend, uh, we need to use what's happening in the classrooms here in San Antonio to inform what's happening in the university here in San Antonio, that's going to produce more San Antonio leaders, mm-hmm. and that's, that's I think right. what you were saying, right? Yeah, like just
0: absolutely. Yeah, and and we we want to do our work in partnership with as many uh, people who are doing good work in the ecosystem, and and so just to give put some meat on the bones, you know, an example of an early project uh, we've been engaged in is developing a uh, program evaluation and outcome evaluation of dual credit in san antonio and and bringing faculty together at the high school level alamo colleges and utsa to have conversations on okay what does a quality algebra or pre-calculus and calculus dual credit course look like how can we all get on the same page Mm -hmm. No matter where this course is being taught, whether it's at Thomas Jefferson or San Antonio College or right. at the downtown UTSA campus, that we are all setting up students who complete this course to be successful in the next college level math course that they take. And and how can we do that also in English comp? Mm-hmm. English Comp 1, English Comp 2, so that our students, when they have completed this dual credit course and they've earned high school credit and college credit, they, they truly are ready right. to take on the next level. Um, and, and how can we get more kids to sign up mm-hmm. for these courses, have them prepared to succeed in these courses? And where are we um, not serving kids? What what populations are underrepresented in in these types of rigorous college level, early college courses and how do we close those gaps? Mm -hmm. And so that project is happening right now with five different school districts and we're having these really unique conversations. Um, All this is happening in collaboration with Region 20. Mm -hmm. um, And the Up Partnership, formerly known as P16, mm-hmm. um, and and we're doing good work because we're doing it together, and we're we're figuring out what our different strengths are, uh, recognizing no one organization can be all things to all people, right? And and we're focused on what I believe is one of San Antonio's most important goals, and that is increasing the share of our people who pursue post-secondary education. Because we know that all the new jobs that are being produced that are coming down the line require some type of post-secondary education, mm-hmm. whether it's an advanced certificate or an associate's degree or a bachelor's degree or higher. Right. We need more of our young people. To be pursuing these types of degrees because that's what the the future job market requires
1: so what do those conversations sound like like when you're when you are talking about okay we need more students who are actually prepared for success in these courses when we offer them and then we need more students to know that they're being offered so that they can enroll in them and we need students to understand that post 12th grade when you graduate from high school if you want to enter a workforce Well prepared, you're either going to need to pursue an advanced certificate or a a degree, right? So how do what do those conversations sound like when you're talking to you you know or who are you talking to? Are you talking to high school principals? Are you talking to parents? Like what are they?
0: So in this particular project, where we are focused on a a number of audiences, where we are having conversations with the the educators who lead these courses and and so those conversations are mostly focused on what does it take for a student to be successful in this course and what are the prerequisites they need like how do we get them on an on-ramp so that they are gradually rising and they're ready to reach our level and be successful in let's say uh, pre-calculus dual credit She's so important. so what do those early grades look like leading and up college
1: to college are so different? They
0: are they're, different, they're, but you know they're 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 different in some interesting ways, for example and and I will uh for all of you listening who uh, have children, <laughs> the ultimate laboratory is yes. your own child <laughs> or children, I and I think we are all constantly <laughs> thinking about okay well this is how I was raised and right. here's some good things that were a part of that and here's some not so good things right. so I'm gonna tr- I'm gonna to experiment on my children right? so so uh, for all of you all that can relate to that uh, I get some of my best ideas from my own children <laughs> and my daughter's going through a dual credit course at UTSA uh, last semester it was algebra this semester it's precalculus and she re- she is an outstanding math student sure and um, and so she, in in some ways she's kind of unique but you know her, her observations were that a college level course is taught very differently than high school but it's not necessarily better right it's it's not like the the most effective way to teach um, its its it is it is it, it it is changing but traditionally it has been and still predominantly is lecture based yes with very little student um, uh, directed learning uh, and if that happens it happens on yeah. your own time
1: right and, you got to go to office hours or yeah, something or you just do it, just it on your, your on own your research, own and yes. then
0: come and and take yeah. an exam yeah. and then we'll we'll evaluate you there uh, while uh, and and maybe it's also because Bella is attending a, a unique school, the Advanced Learning Academy. Mm-hmm. As is my younger child, Marcos. Their school is project-based learning. It right. cares about student voice and student choice, and so in their high school classes, uh, they are solving problems during the class period. Right, and and there is not so much lecture. It's, more it's, students it's talking more,
1: than the teacher talking. There is more
0: student problem-solving mm-hmm. um, time on task that the student is engaged in. And and that's actually a better type of learning. But And it's happening at the high school level, not the college level. And so in an odd way, Bella taking a class at UTSA is making her appreciate what she has mm-hmm. in high school. And... And it is also, in a way, getting her ready for that type of Experience. pedagogy, right? Mm-hmm. And, and that type of teaching, right? It is preparing her for the next level. Um, but this is sort of the insight that she's bringing to me, and that I that I am trying to translate to the faculty that I'm, yeah, it's hard that I'm spending time with around this subject of dual credit, like. How do we teach effectively? Not in the college way or the high school way, but how do we teach effectively across the board, so that it is rigorous, mm-hmm. it is relevant, it's it's also age appropriate, but is no less. But but we're not watering it down,
1: right, right.
0: Um, because if we can do that while we have our children in high school, while education is compulsory, <laughs> we can set them up for success so that they set their own long-term goals of post-secondary education mm-hmm. and their career, long-term career goals. And, and they are their own engines for progress. Um, but but if we do that well before they leave our homes, right? Uh, it, it, we're not going to have to worry about them afterwards because it is so much harder to try to convince an adult who who is eighteen, nineteen, right. twenty, holding down a job, right? Trying Making to pay the bills the for the apartment, yes. utilities, right. trying to make ends meet to stop working and go, to back, go back to school. To school.
1: It's, it's it is impossible. it
0: is very it's, difficult.
1: It's one of the reasons why Carlos, my husband and I, we, we tell our boys, like, I know you want to make money. I understand that. Like, you want walking around cash, right? You want a rainy day fund. You want to have money in your pocket so you can go do things with your friends. But once you start working and you are accustomed to that pace and you're accustomed to the paycheck and and then it's really hard for you to step away and say well I'm not gonna earn that money so that I can go and go to school and so we're like you're not having a job I'm sorry I love you (laughs) (laughs) at this moment in time if you need something you're gonna come to us and we're gonna we're gonna work on whether or not we can give you what it is you think you need. Um, But that's a danger, I think. Once you enter the workforce, it's hard. It's a hard thing to balance work and school life again at the college level, um, to give up your opportunity to make money. It's a hard thing.
0: It, it, It is very hard. Increasingly, it is the reality. And so how can we set up our kids for success, even those who have to work? Mm-hmm. And so how can we make sure that they leave high school with marketable skills in the fields of study they are interested in so that they can have a job if they need a job
1: that's in their field
0: of study? Right. Because that kind of work, coupled with learning,
1: mm-hmm.
0: can be very enriching. It can make their learning much more uh, impactful, It can be deeper because they have experiences to apply that learning to. Right. What happens for most of our children, particularly for for kids who are first generation college students, who are coming from families that are uh, like mine, didn't go to college. Right. Our kids who have to work while they go to college end up. tossing pizza, flipping right. burgers, yeah. working in restaurants. Right. And those kind of work experiences actually subtract. They don't add. They, they, they take time away from study and they don't add to the study mm-hmm. that they're engaged in in the classroom. Totally. And so I, I, I think there are some, you know, you know college is changing and, and we have to study what's really happening and tweak it where we can. And and I think that the more we can build bridges from high school into college, then we're gonna, and in these different ways, not just academically through dual credit, but also recognizing, oh, hey, if we graduate a student with uh, a certificate in a programming language, they are, they are set up to be successful because they're gonna be able to provide for themselves. They don't have to be- right. In a in a restaurant job that they have no interest in, right. uh, that steals time from their studies, they can be doing side work in coding that actually informs their computer science degree, and so um, I think we're we're at an early stage of uh, weaving, mm-hmm. you know, our work life closely with our learning life, but the more we can make that uh, relevant and interconnected and and project-based learning be authentic
1: yeah, to so their
0: goals, Totally, boy, yeah, I mean, we're, we're just going to set them yes. on fire.
1: So you're bringing me right back to that original idea that we started with is that we have to build a network. We have to have higher education talking to high school all the time. We have to have students informing our teaching all of the time. We and have we have to,
0: have to have industry and industry employers
1: partnering,
0: partnering right, to help to shape those, those
1: project-based learning and to provide mm-hmm. the work experience opportunities and to provide the industry partnerships And so this idea of research happening partnered with practice and then you know built up by partnerships like those three things they have to exist simultaneously research and practice and partnerships and that has to be at the forefront of every single conversation Absolutely. that we have right Let,
0: let me give you another, another example. So we want more of our young people to go into STEM fields. I believe. The way we do that is we introduce our young people at the earliest ages to science through project-based learning, through activities that are hands-on, that they can be a part of, that are not abstracted, sit at your desk and listen to me talk to you, <laughs> while I, <laughs> and hold still, I'm going to pour the knowledge into your ear. No. No, we need a learning experience where the kids are out of their desks, they're walking around, they are collecting data, they are analyzing the data. Science is a real project that that they care about. We need to create those kind of learning experiences in San Antonio, and at UTSA, one of our strategies is to uh, create project-based learning units, let's call them, that are age appropriate, that can help students engage in science. One example, I, I'm, with, I'm working with a team of researchers at UTSA, and um, I call her a bird scientist, <laughs> but the proper name is uh, or, ornithologist. <laughs> it, always, it, it always takes me a while. Um, and, and also an English professor who studies rhetoric and and how we communicate science and it's uh, we're an uh, odd uh, group but we're a great group and together we are uh, uh, working to create a study that is a citizen science project that engages high school students particularly in our inner city uh, to be a part of collecting data on how birds migrate within san antonio and the project includes graduate students uh, banding birds, so putting little magnetic yeah, uh-huh. clips on them, uh, so we can identify all the birds that get tagged. They don't get physically tagged; they just have I'll tell a, a you, they're ring. They're
1: all at North Star Mall and yeah. That's where all the birds are. <laughs> we'll, we'll, <laughs> they creep we'll start me out there daily,
0: <laughs> um, and. And, and what also is involved in this project are bird feeders, not just any kind of bird feeder, but a special bird feeder that can read a signal coming off of the bands on the birds. So these bird feeders will be placed at high schools, and students will have an opportunity to take them home and maintain them in their yards. And together we will be collecting data on where birds are feeding and how bird feeding influences their migratory patterns. We will not be able to analyze this data without the help of students. Sure. And together we will create data on how birds are, are flying throughout our city that they can analyze and we can analyze together. And, and the, the projects can uh, vary from an age-appropriate learning experience for a middle school student to high school students at various mm-hmm. grade levels, and will obviously include graduate students who are working on their doctoral degrees. That is just one example of the, the unique kind of added value that a, a R1 research university which UTSA aspires to to be, can bring to our city in cultivating the next generation of STEM students. We can't do it alone. We have to do it in partnership with teachers who are going to open up their classrooms and work with us to design the curriculum and the learning projects.
1: Yeah, and you made me think too of like there, I feel like there's a, a new vision that's cast right now. For San Antonio to really position itself as a learning city and I think that in order for us to position ourselves as a learning city we have to be we have to be thinking through what you just described how higher education is working with k-12 to inspire not just a, a another generation of stem students but another generation of learners like we that are going to continue that learning process outside of their K twelve experience, outside of even their university experience. That they're the next generation of researchers. That they would understand and know why bird migration is even important in the city. That's right. Because I don't know if I do.
0: <laughs> well, you know, you know, it's important for a lot of different. It's it's not you know? only just a means to excite young people it's about right. science, but it, uh, the health of our environment. A leading indicator of that is. Is the health of birds
1: right? So that's what I'm saying. Like this is a thinking problem. This is like way beyond. It is, it is beyond. a, it is it's a, a thinking,
0: thinking problem. Problem. And in in the in our future, we need to be a community that can problem solve around changes in our environment. And so the the more capability we have as a people to respond to a drying environment to an environment with less water, to an environment with many more days above 100 degrees, the the more adaptive and and uh, stronger we will be.
1: Right, and this is a conversation that is not just about what kind of job do you want to have or what kind of money do you want to make. This is like what kind of life do you want to live and what kind of place do you want to leave for the people that come behind you? These are big conversations. That's right. Um, these are these require lots of deep thinking. Um, and that that's what's exciting to me about the conversation with the Urban Education Institute and how it could partner in practice with what's already happening. Uh, and that's why I said I feel like there's just different kind of momentum in our city involving the education landscape, you know, where it's just it doesn't feel like it felt. Fifteen years ago.
0: Oh, absolutely! Couldn't agree more. You, you're, you're absolutely right about that. I mean, just think about all the new players in the education eco space that are active today. Yeah, you know, it think used to be. What? It was just when you thought of schools, you thought of well, there's teachers and there are principals right. and their superintendents and it's parents take their their or private. That's schools. right. There, there are. There's a private school system. Which which is predominantly a Catholic education system. And then there's a public school system. Right. Today, it is so much more complex. There are many more actors. There are community-based organizations. There are nonprofits. There are philanthropies. There are industry groups. Uh, There are are charter schools. There are different types of charter schools. There are public schools that are open enrollment. Exactly.
1: It's complicated. It is
0: very complicated. It's very
1: complicated. And I think... You know, a lot of times I, I I've been fortunate that I get to talk to a lot of different people now, and I get to be involved in lots of different kinds of work, um, both at ISDs and in nonprofits and in um, lots of conversations with charter school operators. And I feel and parents and I feel like the conversations everyone ha- is having, they are new conversations. They are conversations like you said that didn't exist before. No one was really talking about what's the best fit school for my student because you had two choices and one of them you could either afford or you couldn't.
0: That's right. That's it. Like yeah.
1: there there wasn't a conversation about best fit. It was a conversation about what can I afford, right? And where do I live? Like that's how I determine where I'm going to go to school. Um so I feel like in order to become a learning city and a thinking city that we we're in this unique position and these conversations are all new conversations but they're tricky conversations because mm-hmm. because the the institutions that existed are now being challenged right and so you have like this weird awkward now we're sharing the same space with each other and sometimes that can be uncomfortable so i feel like some of those conversations are hard and, and our,
0: our our policies are in flux. Yes. So so they haven't
1: they're not
0: uh, hopefully not they will settle thing. at some point but <laughs> but they but we're trying new things and this added complexity is not all good.
1: No, it's it, it it's hard like, to understand.
0: It's hard it's, to understand and it's also hard to evaluate um is this school making a difference for its students or is it just attracting a a special group of students right um how do we evaluate that
1: and time is not necessarily on their side yet because they haven't fully existed for very long well that's true you've got a system of -hmm. schools that haven't been around since the early 1900s and you have a system of schools that's been around for 20 years yeah time's not exactly on their side yet um, no
0: no no that's true and but there there is <laughs> there is data and we can't analyze it uh, and we and we but we have to um, do it together uh, because ultimately we we have to make decisions to that are in the best interest of our students the whole not not student in the population. best interest of a the, the new kid on town in terms right. of the the new type of school that just yeah. showed up, and
1: that's that's where the conversations get tricky. Yeah, you know? and yeah. You How class- do
0: we make sure that all kids um, have access to a quality education, even those that have special needs, uh, even those that are experiencing behavioral problems? We 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 cannot allow right. an unregulated wild west sort of arrangement to exist where these students who we know are uh, more costly to serve get pushed out and 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 end up in a um, kind of a second class status in our education ecosystem
1: right and so to sort of make sure that doesn't happen you have to have the network you have to have, the you network have to, and So it goes back to your it network goes back idea. Back to the network idea. Like you and, have to be talking to each other and, and pushing each other and
0: right? we have to have a civilized conversation. Totally. Uh, we have to bring our beliefs to the table and 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 acknowledge them, but also we have to get beyond our beliefs and say, okay, how how do, if we both can't be right, so how yeah. do we where test this? Where do we meet in middle? <laughs> how, how do we collect data to really test right. what is best for our children?
1: We can't villainize each other or villainize anyone who, who brings to the table a new idea or a new thought, a new way of doing something. Like We have to be able to say, all right, let me think about how I can meet you where you are and, or- and, and test that theory out. Mm-hmm. In a safe way, in a way that doesn't hurt kids or teachers, in a way that doesn't hurt our cities.
0: We, we, we. Now that's not to say we can't be risk taking. We sure. absolutely you have to have to be because our historic educational achievement levels are unacceptable. The old yeah. way is unacceptable, and we absolutely yes. do need change. But we need to be thoughtful about it, and I believe we can be. I think you know I'm a big believer in playing to strengths. Yeah. And um, and this isn't my idea. I actually uh, stole it from Graham Weston, and that is the <laughs> idea of having a city that plays to its strengths. The entire city plays to its strengths. I think one of our core strengths as a city is that we are a city of, of people who know how to get along totally. and partner and collaborate. Uh, we're we're a very respectful <laughs> city. Yes. <laughs> um, and and so I think the strength, the underlying strength here, is w- we can build bridges Tone. across divides, and we can form partnerships and figure this out together. And I think that's the kind of education ecosystem that I want to be a part of building. Me too. Creating a space where. Different folks from different corners can come together, acknowledge their different views, but then genuinely work to figure out what works best for, for all of our children.
1: Right here today. That's right. Yes. A hundred percent yes. Yes. So if you're listening and you're hearing conversations that don't sound like we are a community that is centered and stable and able to build bridges then then maybe change who you're talking to come talk to us (laughs) let's sit down and figure this out together um i I do think that there's so i think you're right i love what you just said about the entire city playing to its collective strength we all have individual strengths and when we put our individual strengths into operation Big things happen for us individually. So what happens when we collectively put our strengths together? I mean, I, that's the potential of where we are right now. Like, that's the momentum we're trying to capitalize on, right? Like, yeah. we're at this critical point where we can say, gosh, collectively, we're in tune. Like, we all want the same thing. We want it to get better. We recognize the same stuff. We know that the old system of, of doing things isn't working. Hasn't historically proven true. We, we can agree on those points. And we know that we are smart people here in San Antonio. They're brilliant people. They're talented people. They're invested in the community. Um, they I love San Antonio. I just, I just and, love it.
0: And And we all have, you know, think about some of the actors we named. You know, there are teacher groups. There are... Principal groups. There are superintendents of different school districts. There are there, parent are, there are parent groups. There are there are different uh, community-based nonprofit organizations. There are philanthropies that want to invest in making things better. We all have indivi- as individuals. We all have strengths and we have weaknesses. That's just how it is to be right. human, right? Yes. We have strengths and we have weaknesses, but. If we come together, we can actually eliminate our weaknesses by by by
1: by using each other by strength. using
0: each other by relying yes. on each other and we can we can eliminate blind spots mm-hmm. um, because I don't see everything that a frontline worker who's a, a teacher who's opening up the classroom at 7 a.m in the morning and stays right. late till you know past 4 pm well and, and then yeah. and then and then has to spend time preparing for the next day I, I do not have her vantage point right. or his vantage point but together I can bring my perspective
1: yeah you to bring theirs your network of people that you get to talk to while we're in class
0: and and this sounds I know this sounds sort of um naive. <laughs> 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 but but it's true it is <laughs> and, true and I and I think um, right now we are uh, living through a, a really tough political time yeah where definitely. our our politics can be so uncivilized divisive, divisive and, angry yes uh, people uh, and they just feel
1: so personal can be know? very tribal
0: yes Um. you know if you're not part of my tribe then you're wrong mm-hmm um and everything my tribe says is right. Yeah. You know that that's not actually how to problem solve. No, I I believe San Antonio has it in its DNA to get beyond that, and we we can't lose sight that ultimately uh, what we all care about requires us to get beyond that, and that is the the long term interests of our young people.
1: Couldn't have said it better. Thank you so much for sitting down and talking with me today. I love getting to do this. I think that the conversations are always fun to have, and I always walk away with a little bit of a deeper perspective. Um, I already told you I love UTSA. Thank you for doing the work that you are doing there. I think it's critical, and I think it's been
0: my pleasure to be here.
1: I just I appreciate you taking time out of your day.
0: Well, it's a, it's been a treat for me. Thanks for inviting.
1: So you guys thank you for listening today we appreciate you listening um you can reach out to us on social media i am on twitter it's at miss education essay you can find san antonio leaders and teachers on facebook and on instagram Um, and where can we find you mike if people want to reach out to you Mm.
0: um well they can find me at utsa in the college of education Uh, i have a website there and by the end of this summer the urban education institute will have its own website Sweet. where you can see all of our work and our projects
1: so you guys we want to hear from you so when you have time and you have a question or you want to give us a shout out do it we'll see you soon thank you i'm jen maestas and you're listening to Ms. Education.